Welcome to the Podcast of Faith. I'm Caitlin and new here. I'm a busy farming mama of four, so you're likely to hear kids or animals or even westerns playing in the background. But I'm here because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And because of that, I grew tired of trudging through the muck of life without him and decided to chase after him and what he has for me instead. I'm not a great public speaker, but I've got a purpose here. I can feel that. So instead of running from it, I'm going to run to it and see what God has for me. I don't know a lot, but I've learned a few things, and I'd love to share them with you. Here goes it. Hey, y'all. Let's get started. Lord, have your way. Speak to us, Father. Use this for your glory only. Amen. All right. I guess it's fitting um, Mother's Day weekend, but Ruth has been a little hot and heavy on my mind. And also... Motherhood has been hot and heavy, but also those friends of mine that and acquaintances that are not there yet. And just know that I'm praying for everyone who this message touches. They listen to it or if they don't, if you have listened to it and the impact that you have on someone else, I'm just praying that God's hand can stretch wherever he sees fit. But in Ruth, um, chapter one has been hitting me pretty square in the face. And um, let's give it a read. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. 
and again they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So Bethlehem to Moab. Moab, the enemy of Israel, pagans, did not worship the one true God. So there was no food, no bread in the city, whose name literally means bread. Bethlehem. Even though there's a famine, a season, it's still a place of promise. Elimelech took his family to Moab to live. Escaping famine, escaping the hardship, trying to escape the punishment, I guess. Definitely escaping the promise and escaping the blessing that comes from obedience. I think I had mentioned gotquestions.org before, but I also wanted to look up like what does Ephrathites really mean um, and where did that generally come from? And so Ephrathites, obviously from Ephrath, the old name for Bethlehem, actually. And Ephrath means fruitful. But guess what? Because Ruth is, because Elimelech and all of them are from there. And then Ruth went back there. That means David's from here too. I just thought that was just lining it up. It just hit me. But on down to verse 2, it says, And when they reached Moab, they settled there. What an interesting word choice. Settled. Escaping and settling for something I know is not God's promise. Escaping and settling when where I'm at, I can't ever work hard enough or long enough to provide. Because you know what? I'm not meant to. Elimelech's choice here to tuck tail and run and then ending with his death and his son's death looks like what I imagine I look like when I think I can do it better. God, this ain't working out for me. Looks like this pathway over here is better. Has more options. Doesn't look near as hard. But even though Elimelech's decisions ended up the way they did, 
Isn't God amazing that that's not the way he's going to leave it? He used it to restore. He actually used it to restore us all. So whatever you're calling us to, Lord, it's not meant to fit in this world and in this culture. And I thought about um, just a Bible study Sunday and how, um, I don't know, I guess we were talking about, you know, our, our jobs and, and then also those that are, of us that were parents and those of us that are not yet. And in here, Ruth isn't a, she isn't a parent yet. You know, she was married, wasn't ever able to bear children in that time. And then she was left without a husband. She's in a season. And even though we know the end of her story, we don't see it here in chapter one. But jump down from verse two to verse eight. It says, on the way. So on the way, when you start to lose hope and faith, when you're basing your beliefs on your current circumstances and not on God's character, because what I'm setting my heart and my beliefs on is going to be how my actions follow and what I put my faith into. And thank God he is not limited by our circumstances. Verse 16, um, where she's saying, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And you know what I was correlating that to a lot was Matthew 28, 19. Where we're supposed to go and make disciples. To go out into the world. And in that same Bible study that I was talking about recently, we talked about this set of scriptures here in Matthew 28. And that make disciples. And in the original Greek, it was actually given as a command. And what does it mean to make disciples? And what does that look like? And I think about what Ruth says and how she responds. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. People will be my people and your God will be my God. And then verse 18 says, Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her. So she said nothing more. Way to go, Ruth. Naomi was down in the dumps and wallowing in her circumstances, but Ruth stood firm and stuck to her calling and her purpose because Naomi even calls her own self bitter right there. She was going into a land of God's promise and blessing as a nobody from Moab. But thank God his eyes aren't limited and he's seen what he created in Ruth. He's seen what he created in her and through her. But then think about Orpah. Don't let your weeping turn you back to your old life before Jesus. Things that numb but don't bring peace and promise. Don't think it's not worth it. Don't forfeit and give up on an entire future for a temporary uphill climb. Don't forfeit an entire legacy. Because think about what Ruth has coming. We do know the end of her story. And we do see the season that they were walking in. 
and we see where their footsteps took them, the different paths that they went on. But if you're like Naomi, if you forfeited before, and if you turned and went back down the hill instead of pushing through, Naomi's heading back to Bethlehem from Moab. She says in verse 21 that she went away full but came back empty. She actually says that the Lord brought her back empty. Is it right for her to blame the father? But I think we've got a couple ways to look at that. The Lord took everything out of her hands, everything she thought she could control and do and handle on her own so that she would be drawn back close to him. And the Lord brought her back. He's bringing her back to the promised land. He's bringing her back to the place he planned for her, called her, purposed for her, where he wants to bless her, even if her heart's not in it. What a mighty God. We say, I just, God, thank you for that right here, right now. Even when our heart's not in it, you want to bless us. You want to draw us in. Could God have blessed her in Moab? Moab? Absolutely, if he called her there. But that's where she ran to. That's where she ran away. I think in reference to Jonah too, you know, God called him to the people of Nineveh. He ran from the uphill climb. He ran thinking it was too heavy a load. God didn't want him to carry it on his own, but to produce it through him. And God blessed him in his unfaithfulness and in his faithfulness. God cared for Naomi, and she had two daughters-in-law to care for her in Moab. So even when she ran away, even when they all took off to escape the famine, and they didn't stick it out and, and receive the blessing and the obedience in that, and God still took care of her in the unfaithfulness. God drew her back to Bethlehem, to the bread, and still with a daughter-in-law to care for her that the women of the town said she was better to her than seven sons. And he brought her back just at the beginning of harvest season, at the beginning of the barley harvest, which is the first grain to be harvested. Let's look at Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Cast the seed as you're weeping. Do the things that you know the Lord is calling you to do, knowing in hope and expectation that as you sow, God will bring a harvest and in it there will be joy. He will restore and it will be amazing what he's done. You'll see it. Stick to it. Lord, this is hard, but I want to move towards you. Stick close to us, Father. Draw us in. I don't know how long hard seasons last but I know that they end and that the Lord never ends and he will produce what he intends. Lord, what is your best for me? 
Don't let me settle in my lab. Draw me back to you and to your promise. Amen.